We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alexander Zinchenko has been so close to joining Arsenal for so long that his contract has almost expired. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. Um, Zinchenko is arriving, but if he takes any longer to arrive, uh, he will be in the last year of his deal, and we will have to consider whether it's time to move him on. So I would like to see him get started. All kidding aside, um, that deal is definitely done you know how like during transfer rumor season, they have tiers like a tier three source or a tier two source. We got a uh, confirmation from, it says here, Peep Guardiolia, uh, Pe- Pep, you know, I'm not great with the pronunciations, Pep Guardiola, Guardiola. Um, I don't know if that's tier two. Some people saying tier one, but I think it's pretty well confirmed and uh, also was at the Orlando City game. Do want to give a shout out again to everybody having the time of their life um, in the USA on the tour. Lots of good stuff happening there. James Gunnerblog been detailing some of that. Um, Mike from the Gunners Pod, of course, right in the middle of things as always. And the FOMO flowing through me, doing my best not to give that away to my family who are saying, are you having the time of your life here, Elliot? And I'm saying, yes, I, I love my holiday with my family. Um, definitely not dreaming of drinks and shots and shots and drinks and karaoke nights with Gooners in Florida. So uh, with all that having been said, let me introduce the guys. We got a lot to get to. Tim's here. He's on Twitter at Stoberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. And Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Clive, I I mean, I want to do an entire podcast on the classic that was uh, Arsenal versus Orlando City. I think, unfortunately, we'll have to get to other topics, but we should start with the game because the game was played. And I think it's fair to say it was a game of two halves. Um, so many games are that way, by the way. And uh, we should look into why that is. It may have something to do with the rules, splitting the game into two halves. But uh, not a great first half, a good second half. Let's take it half by half, though. There were some players that did start the first half that are important parts of our first team squad and some that probably not long for, for Arsenal. In terms of the ones that maybe do have a future, I'm curious if you have some maybe disappointment in the, in the performance or thoughts on 
why that first half didn't necessarily click. Yeah, so I, I tend to look at this and say for myself, players know. They know who's got the right colour bibs on, who's in the right team. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, they know who's on the right side when the 8v8s have been selected. They all know. So it's, it's, I try not to judge. Even the ones that we know are going to stay, I try not to judge them too much because they're just going through a little bit. And um, so the one that stood out really a little bit was, was Eddie, really. I've got, got to give him a little shout because he looks different to the to the, the guys in departure lounge. Do you know what I mean? He, he looks different. He He's trying. He's trying. And he's learning. You can almost see. I, I promise you, when, when you get a chance, I know you don't watch preseason close, right? And you know, I, I know I'm a bit, <laughs> of a, weird, a bit of a weirdo about this, but... So you can many- literally, <laughs> you can literally see him copying Jesus, the way he receives the ball, and he's punching and turning. They're literally, he's saying, you know what? I've got, I've got a chance here. I've got somebody that plays a little bit like me, better than me. But I can learn from him, and I'm going to try to do it at the levels he's trying to do it at. And I spotted it in the first game. Everyone else did. His levels went up, and um, it, it goes up as soon as he comes on. Right, so. Very clever boy, right? He's forging a he's forging a little role for himself. Maybe late in games, ending games. We all know what's coming next season regarding five subs and how we need to have a system to recover from from conceding the first goal. As hmm. uh, how many times last year did we concede the first goal and only came back once? Right. Well, and, can, um, can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. If we start with the back line, we started against Orlando City. It's going to be more than once. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to be doing it a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying not to talk about a centre back partnership and the chasm <laughs> that was <laughs> that was between them. And um, so, yeah, I'm trying to stay with the positives, right? So, um, yep. I, and another positive, just briefly, was probably um, Sam Bilaconga, who just looks pretty comfortable. You know, he looks comfortable. Remember them sort of schoolboy shots he was taking last season? They were all the right shots to take, and they just, like, back passes. But they were the right shots, right technique, and didn't have the power and conviction. Well, he took one in this game, and it had power and conviction. So that's what's so wonderful about young players. They they get better. <laughs> they get better. Mm-hmm. And so I can see that developing. And he definitely looked like a an eight midfielder rather than a six midfielder. And um, so that was a that was a promising one. So... They're the yep. two for me I, on the promising side that I will leave the listener with, but they would—they both look quite good. Can I just yeah. um, add to that? Just on the Inketia point, there was um, a really good compilation put together on Twitter by Adam Keys, uh, Adam Keys underscore about Inketia, just about, and it's just loads and loads of clips uh, from the Everton game of him kind of receiving with his back to goal, spinning, turning, you know, distributing the ball. Um, really, really, you know, one of those like quite nerdy compilations that, that probably gets me excited, like no, nothing in the six yard box in there, no shots or anything, but just him getting turned, using his body. And we already know something I think he developed last season was taking players on. We saw him a couple of times come on um, more earlier in the season, like when Abamyang had first been kind of banished as, as a wide forward. Um, kind of coming on and taking people on, yeah. and that's something he's developed as well um, already. So yeah, I've, I've, I, I share that kind of cautious excitement about what we might get from Eddie next season. Yeah, can yeah. I just have one last yeah. thing I, to add? And well, firstly, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this episode off. You guys, you no. guys got this. Oh well, I yeah. think you know, 
I always feel as though I have to apologise because I, I didn't read Eddie being this player. So he's always, you know, I've got to be fair and, and, and honest and consistent. And he's really surprised me. But also another thing is that he didn't take much of a summer holiday. He works on his physique massively. And you can see it. Is that a shot at me? Because I've been on holiday for a couple of weeks. Is that what this is? Because I'm right here. <laughs> you can see it. You know, you think about it. He knows he's getting a big bumper contract. That's the time to get the old strawberry daiquiris out, right? But now he's working in. The, he's working in the gym. He's working. And in that compilation that Tim was speaking about, how many times does he leave his shoulder on people, Tim? Do you know what I mean? He's leaving his shoulder on people, and it's like, man, I love that when people maximize their potential and don't just rest on the their God-given talent of the one percentile that live our dreams. Do you know what I mean? And so mm. I think it's brilliant to see him. And and Arteta was right. He saw something in him, and we were just maybe looking at the last thing that happened. Well, I was anyway, so fair play. Yeah, I, I try to be someone who doesn't get too high if I'm right about things or too low if I'm wrong about things because I don't think football analysis is about trying to predict the future correctly because – like if that if we were predicting the future correctly, we should be a gambling podcast or a stocks podcast, right? Like, but obviously we know stonks only go up, so you don't need a podcast for that. Um, but like, if there's one that I think I might wind up looking really wrong about, it's Eddie and Kedia. I felt that Eddie and Kedia would have a nice career further down the table, but not be Arsenal level. And I'm I'm open to updating that opinion, watching him develop, and maybe it's a case of. I overread the fact that he just never got the opportunities. I looked at the fact that at Leeds, he didn't get that many opportunities and that Arteta, who always talked about liking him, was always reluctant to use him. He had a few substandard substitute appearances, but I say, you know what? Here's a guy turning 23 who just hasn't been on the pitch and that's usually an indication of something. And it is usually an indication of something. But this is what's interesting about the idea of like long tail distributions. Like player development is a is a long tail distribution. Most of them develop in the center of that cluster, right? The really good ones, 19, 20, 21, like Saka, like Martinelli, like Smith Rowe. Some of them are way out there, like where Jamie Vardy was on his development or Olivier Giroud, or maybe in this case, Enkedia, not late, he's not old, but just a little later because now he's being given an opportunity. And I do think, Tim, that the players that have to look out are Martinelli and Emil Smith-Rowe, and, and maybe Martinelli most of all, because we'll get to in a moment that Arteta's been talking about the left eight and, and Smith-Rowe maybe being one of the options there. Martinelli's going to have to up his game. Now, you know I'm as big a fan of him as, as can be, and oh, by the way, he did score in this game a Galazzo where he he got the angles just right to, to get it to shank off of an opposition player, which I think is a, a really tricky skill. But a player that I love, a player I have a lot of time for, but we saw... Enkedia get to play a little bit on the left with Jesus through the middle. I don't see Enkedia as a regular wide forward, but if he can play in a three with Jesus and Sack on the right, that's going to put pressure on Smith Rowe and especially Martinelli to show that that place should be theirs. And, and if we get another wide forward in, which I think is still considered a priority, I'm not sure I think it'll happen, but it's considered a priority, that that gets even more crowded. And oh, by the way, it's a World Cup year, and I know Martinelli wants to go play for Brazil, right? So this this becomes a dynamic group with some interesting competitions, and maybe one that I didn't see coming is the competition where Enkedia actually sort of becomes a threat to 
the opportunities on the left. What are, you, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, look, they got him to sign a new contract, right? And in the discussions about the new contract, they must have said, by the way, we're buying Gabriel Jesus. So you'd think that those two things are quite incongruous. So the conversation must have been, so where are my minutes coming from? And we can only project, but I'd imagine they'd say, well, for now, Europa League, all of those are your minutes. That's absolutely fine. Those are in the bank. That's like 540 minutes for you before the new year right there. But but we see you as a part of this forward line. And, you know, if I were Arteta, you know, I'd be saying things like, look, even if you don't start, if we're not, it, well, whether we're winning or not, you're, you might be my first sub because I can put Gabriel Jesus on the right and put you up front. I can put you on the left and Jesus up front. And by the way, what was our number one issue last season when we go 1-0 down? What do we do? We can't do anything because we have to keep playing the same team, doing the same thing. So, you know, if again, projecting, I imagine the conversation with Arteta was, look, we've got a problem here. This is a problem for us. You know it's a problem. What do we do when, when we need a goal with 20 minutes to go? You can be one of the solutions for that problem. And you can be one of the solutions to that problem. I might put you through through the middle with Jesus on the right. I might put you on the left. You might rotate. You might be like a car. Basically, the forward line's going to be a carousel and you're going to be on it, is basically mm-hmm. what I imagine the conversation would have been. And that's where your minutes are going to come from. And it might not be 90 minutes every week. It might be 20 minutes here. You might start this game and sit this game. And by the way, that's going to be the same for Martinelli. That's going to be the same for Smith-Rowe. Basically, everyone, I mean... It's probably not going to be that for Saka or Gabriel Jesus. They're probably going to start every game, more or less, um, certainly in the Premier League. But maybe we've got the option to sit one of them down once in a while. So that that has to be where the conversation was, right? Where are my minutes? Immediately, where are my minutes? And I imagine that that's, that's what was said. Now, one of the things I, I think I'm told uh, they've been working on in training is that they've been doing these, like... 15 minute drills um about the last 15 minutes of a game when the game gets broken when it's 1-1 when we're 1-0 down because again number one probably number one problem from last season um I don't know exactly what those drills have looked like but I know they've been doing a lot of work on that and and that I think was is probably working on a right We'll have three, you know, three forwards like we usually do, but they're not all just going to stand still in their space. They're gonna they're gonna rotate. Or I want the possibility to play you here and you here. Uh, Martinelli can play both sides. So, but I, I think you're right. Martinelli knows he will have to raise his game. He knows that anyway. He's he's been in a shootout with Smith Rowe anyway for that left sided position. And I think one of the 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 aspects in which he came along last season actually it's quite a weird season for Martinelli in that I think he really improved in the technical aspects because that was where he was perhaps a bit loose before on the ball and things like that actually I think he became a lot more secure he became his decision making in terms of when to take a player on and go on the outside and when you know to go all right not going to beat this guy here Let's keep the ball moving. But actually, his end product numbers weren't that good last season. And when you think of Martinelli, you think of it the other way around. You think maybe a little bit loose technically, but we'll score goals. But actually, he didn't score that many last season. So we can see where the improvements need to be made. I think he knows that. The little bits, though, I've seen from pre-season, I've actually been quite impressed with Martinelli. And I think he is someone who will really benefit from, from playing with Gabriel Jesus. 
because not not just because they're both Brazilians and you know they'll have barbecue or whatever at Edu's house, but um, that uh, that'll be part of it. Don't get me wrong, uh, that's that's significant. By the way, I'm sure that was in the contract talks. Like how many barbecues? Um, but but just having someone else in the area who's moving when you've got a player like Martinelli, I th- to you know to spark with a player like that. I think will be huge. And again, one of the things when Gabriel Jesus was a mainstay as the number nine for Brazil, his biggest role was to facilitate for Neymar, that dribbly left-sided player who goes in the box, either cuts inside and shoots or goes on the outside and gets to the byline. Martin, I mean, look, Martinelli doesn't do it to the, the quality that Neymar does. Pretty much no one else does. But Jesus knows how <clears throat> to facilitate for wide forwards like that. I, I think Martinelli's going to love playing with Gabriel Jesus. And actually, I kind of... Worry isn't the right word because it's all good. They're all good players. I'm fine with them competing. I think Smith-Rowe is the one that maybe I have a little bit more concern about just in terms of maybe picking up that technical aspect. And and my number one worry for him is physical. He's, again, like... he played. We talked about it, didn't we? He played on June the 13th for the under-21s. He's come back first friendly and he's gone again because uh, he's got muscle tightness and that that's going to be a concern for me I, I I'm projecting here obviously because it hasn't happened yet I think Martinelli will love playing with Gabriel Jesus will get a lot out of that relationship and they're both going for the same thing they both want to be on the plane to Qatar in November it's it's more Smith Rowe I, I perhaps and and if I was Smith Rowe I'd maybe start looking at that left eight and saying actually that might be a better avenue for me to be in this team uh, every single week. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just going to say this about Martinelli. Like I think he underperformed what I hoped last season in terms of output. But one of the things that happens with a young player when, when that happens is I look and I say, do their underlying metrics suggest that their game is dipped or are they still doing the things that, that we want them to do? I mean, firstly, you know, he played a thousand fewer minutes than Bukayo Saka. And finished second on the team with six assists. Now, six assists isn't a ton, but you know he he did provide critical assists down the stretch. He had six goals as well. But in terms of his XG and his XG plus S, XA, if you care about those underlying metrics, he's sort of like number two or number three on the team in both of those, depending on who you want to dislike. Like, you know, if you want to take Aubameyang out, and the less said about him at this point, probably the better. Um, in fact, above Saka in both XG and XG plus XA. And I don't say that to say he's better than Saka. I say that to say the underlying metrics still tell the story of a player who's ready to kind of break out. And and my yeah. eyes tell me that as well. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, the, the thing is, what does Martinelli do? What's his superpower? He gets in the box, whether it's to shoot or to get a cut back or to take someone on, commit someone, get penalties, whatever. That's what he does. When he gets the ball, he doesn't care how he does it. It's, I want to get in that penalty area. Now, Arsenal actually have a number nine now, potentially two, if you count Nketiah as well. Like, There's actually going to be other people there when he does that now. So that that's why I think, I think you're right. If he keeps doing, obviously he needs to improve and he needs to do this and that and get better at it. But if he keeps doing that stuff, I think it's going to be a lot more effective this season. Yeah, and I like your idea of a carousel of attackers. I, I think that makes sense. And I think that's how we're going to see it. I, I don't, I also don't think we can rule out that Martinelli or Smith Rowe or Jesus, like 
the right side of the front three is going to need some players if Saka needs a rest. And unless or until we get that additional signing, I mean, I, I think Martinelli scored arguably our prettiest finish of the season from the right-hand side, right? The Tomiyasu lob over the defender and and the first-time volley from Martinelli. Like, these players can switch sides. They can move around. And that carousel of attackers, I think, is how, it, how it's going to play out. I don't like to criticize Arteta too much about training because I'm not a coach like Clive. But I, I do think he gets some things wrong in training, and we're seeing that this summer because last season we were crying out for more running from Lacazette, and we all saw it. And Arteta didn't have a solution for it. And now he goes to another club and we see they just have him running away from wasps. They just have him being attacked by wasps. And, you know, maybe that's something Arteta could have could have tried. I'm kidding, but if you haven't seen it yet, Lacazette was attacked by wasps and we certainly hope he's okay. Um, Clive, thoughts on, on the attacking carousel? I also want to get in the left eight because I think there's a really fecund uh, area for conversation, which, again, is a word that always sounds naughty to me, but it really isn't. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you think that carousel of attackers might play out and, and the hierarchy developing them? Yeah, I can't help but feel we're just one short um, and we just need another one. And this is where we have to we have to really look at ourselves as fans. Um, we, all, we all know the players. We all like them, generally. We like them, particularly you know, during the season. They've done something good. And we then, we then worry about them if someone else comes in. You know? so, but we need one more. We need one more, and and that's the most. And we need somebody from the right. And then, what sort of age should that person be? What sort of investment should that player be? You know, and I think that's that's what I'm struggling to be honest. You know, given the fact we're looking at Rafinha and the, and the expenditure there, that's not somebody that's come along to, um, you know, to to carry the, the water bottles, right? He's come along to play, and and so. I think this is a challenge for our mentality and really to say how how good we want to be. You know, we've become so accustomed with patience and jam tomorrow, including myself, and we're good at watching young players develop. But I do think there's a time to say, let's go now. Let's go. Our patience as fans across the world is so, so short. If we lose three games, it's on. You know, it's on for managers. It's, it's it's on. If I'm manager, I'm protecting myself and I'm getting these guys in. I, I do think um, Smith Rowe's a player that I've long been concerned about and long struggled to read, but long been concerned about physically, as, as Tim alluded to. And that's 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 a problem for me and that's a problem for him because I think he's he needs time, actually. And I, I wasn't so sure about him coming back so quickly. I think he needs a, a good break. We need to allow that to happen. Martelli, I think, just needs to score. He's lost that little bit. And when he starts scoring, I think he'll be fine. But what Gabriel Jesus has said, again, I'm not sure we're going to do a Jesus section. I hope we do. But, yeah, he's not only playing well, he's talking well. You know, he's talking about Martelli. He's praising him. He's praising his work rate. That's what you do with young players. You you tell them what they're good, what they're good at, you know, and you, and you boost them and... And so I think he'll, I think he'll fly. Saka just looks like to the man of born, right? And Eddie's growing. There just needs to be one more for me, because as soon as we have a little calf pull, we'll all be worried, you know. And that's not where we we need to be. We need to move this lot forward, right? So for me, it's a a faster player that can play both sides. Um, and I'm not worried if they can play in the centre or not. 
but definitely play both sides and allow us to rotate when it really counts. I'm just not sure of the age of experience, you know. You know, I can't see, although I'd love it, a, a Leroy Sane coming in at 26 and 300 grand a week. I can't see that. I think it'll upset the, the dressing room and the culture, though football-wise, he's perfect. Do you know what I mean? When you look at a good Leroy Sane, that's it. There's your answer right there. You can find somebody like that and maybe a different age group and different investment. Um, I think that would really work and give us confidence that we can go right through to May and not fall away in April. Yeah, l- let me stay with you for a second, Clive, because if the front three is a group of very talented young players who are all sort of rotating and vying for positions and will probably all get a lot of minutes and may need an additional signing, left eight is sort of in a in a similar position, but with one very senior player who is probably clinging to the to the cliff's edge while the <laughs> while the lions wait to pounce on him down in the valley below. Um, you've got Granite Shaka, very experienced, um, very reliable in many ways, playing a position that maybe isn't exactly tailored to him. And then the young bucks like Emil Smith-Rowe and Fabio Vieira and now Albert Sambi-Lakanga all looking at that position. Smith-Rowe not fit, Vieira not fit, Sambi-Lakanga gets a chance to play there. I think he looks pretty impressive there. And the comments about Sambi are interesting because I remember when we signed Granite Shaka. Arsene Menger said he's a box-to-box midfielder who can impact the game in both boxes. And two weeks later, he said he's a deep-lying playmaker who plays the intermediate value passes. And it's like he watched him run a little bit in training, and he's like, no, nah, we, we didn't buy exactly what I thought we were buying, but but we'll, we'll find a way. I'm wondering if that happened with Sambi a bit, because everybody said he's coming in to be party's heir. And maybe he will grow into being party's heir as he learns the game, as he builds strength, as he, you know positionally, you know, adds so, some noose, nouse, nose, noose to his game. But like now it looks like he's being considered at left eight. And I think his agility, his footwork, you know, some of his passing range is more suited to that position potentially. I, I'm curious how you see his evolution in the team and what it says for that position with Arteta coming out and saying Smith Rose in that group, Vieira's in that group, Sambi Lakonga's in that group. It's a position that I think maybe Zinchenko is in that group. Maybe there's another signing in that group, like Yuri Tielemans. And Arteta was saying uh, another comment that he made about versatility. We want we don't we don't want to be predictable. We want players who can impact the game in different positions and make it harder for the opposition to know what we're going to do. So, is that another one, kind of like the, the carousel of attackers, where there's going to be a committee of players who can all influence the game in that space? Yeah, I think we can develop that committee by having the right sort of full-back positioning and the right type of central defenders. I think if you have that platform, that five at the back and then the five up, I think you can see we're changing away from having Tierney in the front five. We look like, we, we look like, come on, we're only speculating from three pre-season games, right? But we look like we're trying to invert. We look like we're trying to lay a platform. We look like we're trying to keep people in. And then that allows you to play different people in those central areas. So... Uh, I do, I think Sandwich really stood up. Let's let's be honest. Let's let's have, let's have a chat. As as uh, I prefer, can we just 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 for this once? Can we be dishonest? <laughs> let's be. We're honest, always right? being honest. I'm sick of it, frankly. Let's be honest. I'm gonna I'm gonna I've had me I've had me express it now. Let's go. We the future the future of this team and how we're perceived is trapped in sales, right? It absolutely is. There are some sales to make. 
that will open the door to the next phase of Arsenal, right? And we are talking about six or seven players from the from the Raoul era, shall we say? They 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 um they, they need to go right, and and if they do go, then I can the door opens to a to a new team, to a a new feeling. And the people that hold our own our old perception of bad attitudes and. It, it it just needs to stop, right? And if we could wish it away, if I could, it's, I don't mean to critique certain people. Well, I'll give you an example, right? Some people are saying that Sambi was was not really it. We we tweak his position, and suddenly he could be a breakout player this season. You know, Bellerin at Arsenal in his early phase of his career, and he was allowed to run up and down the right hand side on his own, and no one cared, as long as he just went forward. Absolutely fantastic for the club. The the situation changes, need a bit more technical ability, two-footedness, more standstill ability to underpin others. He doesn't suit this room, you know? And so you just need to move past that stylistically. And there is one guy in, in playing at the left eight at the moment who's a tremendous footballer, you know? He's nearly paid 100 times for his country and he stands there in his middle of his pitch and I really like this player. I really like him. There's no drama about it. You know, he's a good player. But as you see us developing, you just you can see it. You can see that it's not quite right. Right? It's his preseason, so we'll hold it. Torreira, not right. Gotta go. Maitland Niles, Nelson, Pepe, Leno. It's not quite right. And and they're holding the they're holding the doors to the next phase of us. You know, and, and this is the thing I use I don't want to use the term I used to use because some of those players had bad attitudes, really bad attitudes. The squatters that stayed there and took their money and wait to be paid off. This is not the same situation. This is a team development situation where stylistically those players' talents are not best suited at Arsenal Football Club any longer, given where we're going. And I think the keys to the team is in the sales to allow another centre midfielder to come in, to allow a pretty decent investment right sided versatile wing forward to come in and when those are in place you then create room for the young players that we like who can't get on the plane because we've got people in departure lounge waiting to go and I think that's the next phase that makes this all work then it becomes contractually what do you want to do do you want to reinvest <laughs> in certain people you know it's 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 really close and we need a break on some of these sales and if we get that I think we could. That's when the project goes bang for me, because I've got confidence yeah. in the player identification selection in the last two years. But we're held back by um, people not quite on the bus. Man, it's not. It's not a critique of those players. It's just time to make those changes so we can see the real Arsenal football team emerge. It- it would be remiss of us not to mention Liverpool because we do it on every single podcast. So <laughs> allow allow me to bang that gavel now. But speak it. It reminds me exactly of Coutinho, Clive. Like Coutinho is a, a good player, really good yeah. player. He yeah. did. He never fit that Liverpool team because Klopp doesn't play with a ten. And it was a fucking manna from heaven when Barcelona came in with all that money because yeah. not only did it fund the players they actually needed but he didn't fit anyway. So they yeah. didn't really lose anything. And that's, um, look, 
we're not going to get 114 million from Bar- well we might do actually from Barcelona to be fair like it, it wouldn't never, be the stupidest never. move they've made <laughs> but but yeah like I, it, it just made me think of that you know like the, that Klopp project at Liverpool it was like they were fighting for fourth and they were going well but like Coutinho going that was almost like you know the airlock going it's like yeah here we go now it's supernova kind of thing yeah um I think that's all well said look you can have a good player but there's something to be said for selling a player out from under a coach to force him to use other assets in a position or find another solution. I think that like players can become like security blankets. And sometimes when the going gets tough or when you feel the pressure, you know, you, in your mind, it's preseason. You're like, Fabio Vieira is looking good. I'm going to use him as left eight. Or Sambi Lakanga's really impressed me there. Or Smith Rowe is the future there. And then it's Friday night and you're playing Palace and the noise is building in the ground and the nerves are building and you're like, Granite, you're left eight tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's and it's not because he's bad, by the way. I, this is not an anti-Granite thing. This is a that security blanket of that 30-year-old stalwart player that you just know you're going to get a 7 out of 10 from him. You're not going to get a 4 out of 10. And, and that can be great to have. But for the project to go bang, as Clive says, we need someone who can get into that position and give us a 9 or 10 out of 10 in the vein of how an Odegaard does it. Now, Odegaard can drop some 4 out of 10s, by the way. Odegaard has games where he goes missing. But I think all of us would agree that without Odegaard, we're not as good a team. Without Odegaard's capabilities of unlocking our attack. And having that on the left is critical. And I do do think... That while Granite Shaka has been a very good servant to the club in many ways, we are starting to reach the point where not having that security blanket, not having the crutch of the 7 out of 10 really comfortable player that you can rely on to put in a good solid professional performance and being forced to let one of these Tyros try their hand at the position could just take us up a level. You know, and I, I know that's scary because the. The other possibility is that none of those young Tyros wind up being ready. And that's that's a risky take. Clive, you want to jump in there quickly? Only to say, there's a, there, I don't think people will catch it, there was a 15-minute interview on ESPN that James Olley did. With, with Shaka. Brandon, yeah, with Shaka. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's tremendous, right? So It's a good one. Uh, and just listen to him. And we listen to him. I almost feel bad when I sort of say that he shouldn't be playing. Do you know what I mean? Or not shouldn't be playing, mm-hmm. but I, I want to see a change there. Can we listen to him? I mean, he, he's just a, a, a top, top guy that gives everything for the club, that absolutely, no doubt, leads those youngsters in, in, in private. I, I did hear something about the Arsenal WhatsApp channel and how the certain elder statesmen hold those young players together and support them and make sure they're in bed on time and, and do all the things that, you know, senior pros should do. And, it, it, and there was another side to this game. We see the Saturday... And they're there together as a young family, really, every single day. And in any family, there are people that lead the way and there are people that follow and there are people that have super talents, etc. I There's another side to this that make a dressing room click. But stylistically, all we can do is judge what we see on, on a game day. And on a game day, as we project stylistically, there's some changes need to happen. And also, there's just some people that yeah. need to hopefully leave so we can go forward quickly. That's what I want to say, really. Yeah, I I just, it either has to be discipline from manager or it has to be taking the card out of their hand so they can't play it, right? It's 
I'm going to make a concerted effort to move this project forward. And that means I may have to play some players that are more of a question mark in, in favor of players that I know what I'm going to get because of their, their higher ceiling. And I will say this, Clive, earmuffs, cover your ears. This is where I think Europa League can be a big benefit to us. Because even though, look, dominating the Europa League does not necessarily mean you're ready to play Premier League. We've seen some mediocre Arsenal players look like world beaters in the Europa League and not be able to do it in the Premier League. But being able to get someone like Fabio Vieira safe minutes to get comfortable in this group or get Emil Smith-Rowe exposure to playing the left eight or more Sambi Lakanga minutes there, it, it's, it's just... I think so helpful and to keep them engaged so that when we need them, they're there and they're, they're not frozen out. Like towards the tail end of last season, we wound up having to call on players who hadn't played in so long. And I do think the Europa League can mean that more of the group, especially this very young group is still developing, still ready when called upon. Um, l- let's do this. Cause I, I don't want to stop the conversation there. Um, a, a very important one, obviously, but I, I think given that we are talking about, the talent at left eight, the talent up front, you know, where we're going to find the solutions. We should at least mention that one place you can find solutions uh, is Indeed, especially when it comes to your business, because Indeed is the one hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Uh, I got to talk about virtual interviews here. This is the one that I think is is sort of capturing my imagination a little bit because I think what's really neat, you know, when I was younger, if you wanted to work for a company or a company wanted you to work for them, you had to live within, you know what, a 30-minute drive of each other, an hour train commute, whatever it is. Now you can live anywhere in the world. And that means more talent for the business, more options for the employee. But then the interview needs to be possible. And with virtual interview, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. There's no need to install anything. Indeed's virtual interviews work from a browser, so there's no technology load that, that has to be done to make this work. And after using Indeed's virtual interviews, most employers said it saved them days of hiring time. And remember, Indeed is still that place where you, it's the only place, I should say, where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. So sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job, plus earn up to $500 in extra sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to learn more. Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed and. We talk about making your business better. We sometimes talk about making your privates better. But let's just talk about making you better. And that's because this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I have sponsors that I am I have fun with. We have sponsors that we really like and use. And then there are ones that I think are actually impactful and important. And this is one of them. It is a company dedicated to making you more healthy in a way that is not talked about enough. Your mental health, your mental well-being. How you take care of your body, that's obvious. Maybe you exercise, maybe you eat right, maybe you go to the doctor. How we take care of our our mind, our emotions, less clear and less focused on. And it's a shame that that isn't just a part of the way we talk every day. And I have done therapy. I have profited from therapy. I think there are people in real serious need of help. And BetterHelp is online therapy that can help you get it without having to worry about, I think, any of the the stigmatizing that's that's gone on around this for way too long. Um, but it can also be something that you use 
just because you feel that you can be more effective, you can be healthier emotionally um, in a relationship, in a job situation, just in life to, to feel more directed, less lost. Um, you can find an expert in a field that you need. You can connect with someone within 48 hours. You can do it on video or not on video. So you can find the most comfortable way to do it. Um, you know, there are a lot of places where there's just no therapy available conveniently or affordably for the, the type of expertise you need and BetterHelp provides all of that. So do it now. Our listeners get 10% of their first month at betterhelp.com slash vision. That's betterhelp.com slash vision. And I should probably um, make sure that that is the slash and it is. So I got it right. My one professional job at the moment. Do it now. BetterHelp, betterhelp.com slash vision. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Um, I do want to move on to a couple other topics on this fast moving podcast, but I, I think that we were sort of in the midst of a conversation that may have had a little more meat on the bone. So, so Tim, I don't want to mm. cut you out of that. I mean, how do you feel about the idea that this addition to our season this year, this, this Europa league opportunity and the extra minutes it provides for a young team, I mean, it's funny, right? Gabriel Jesus comes into the club. What does he talk about? Everyone here is so young. I'm I'm the elder statesman, Matt Turner. Everyone's so young. I'm like the grown-up here. Like when they come from other clubs, they notice it. It's a young group. Yeah, yeah. They need to be playing. And the Europa League is not only going to help them play, but maybe help Arteta see the solutions more clearly. Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, the, the left eight position, as we've christened it now, that's the one I'm the <laughs> most fascinated about because – if you're talking about Arsenal scoring more goals next season, that's an area where we could do more. Whether whether it's actually scoring goals or creating them, that that's an area we could get more from. I still think we were not pissing about trying to spend sixty million on Hafinha to sit him on the bench. Now, I understand all of that about squads, rotation, etc. I just don't believe that Arsenal spend six try to spend in this in this instance sixty million pounds on a player who's going to rotate. To me, he must have been a planned starter, and that must have meant that Saka was going to move somewhere else. And I still just have I, I know we haven't we've only seen it a few times, but I still have this hunch that Arteta's looking at that left eight. Fabio Vieira, that signing came out of nowhere, right? And it's kind of one um I wrote about this yesterday. Like <laughs> Fabio Vieira is Caps like mug. is is like the most Wenger signing Arteta's ever done in terms of buying like a young creative player who can kind of play eight, can play ten, can play wide, and no one really thought we needed him. But like it's a young, it's it's a very Wenger signing. It's just like oh, twenty one year old creative player. I'll, I'll take that. I'll work out what to do with them afterwards. It's better than another center back, it's, Tim. I'm just thrilled <laughs> to see it. <laughs> but you know, and but I like that though because to me, that that signing isn't about a position per se. It's about we need to we need to get more technical. We need to get more creative. Let's buy this guy, and he can play a number of roles. And I'll kind of work it out afterwards. And and that's the bit that the Europa League will be really good for. The I'll work it out afterwards. So you've got him, Sambi Lakonga. I really like the idea of him as that left eight as well because he's different. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to score a ton of goals. I don't think he's going to produce a lot of assists, but he carries. And that's something that no one else in our midfield really does. And that's just a different way of doing it, a different way of breaking the game open. But the thing I'm most fascinated about this left eight thing, and I've been thinking about this since the Zinchenko signing, is for me, I really want to, I have a hunch that the left back and the left eight 
are going to be interdependent positions in Arteta's mind. So I wonder if you'll see something develop where I think Xhaka Tierney is a good partnership, right? Because Tierney bombs on, Xhaka will go and sit in that space. Xhaka can control that space, technically sound there, all good. Tierney can't really do that technical bit in that left defensive half space, but it doesn't matter because Xhaka's there. He'll sit, Tierney will bomb on. I think there's another world where you play Zinchenko at left-back. Zinchenko can do all that small space technical stuff in that area. So you don't need Xhaka, I don't think, if you've got Zinchenko at left-back. So you can put someone else there. You can put Lukonga there. You can put Vieira there, Smith-Rowe, whoever. So I think there's another world where we say Zinchenko is our technically secure player in the left defensive half-space. Let's play someone else at left eight who can who can like go and create some threat in the penalty area. But if we're playing Tierney, yeah, he's going to bomb on and he's going to create that threat. So we need Shaka to sit here. So that's something I'm going to keep my eye on, whether the left back and the left eight, are, you know, whether they come in, like come as a package. Yeah. And like, we can start to turn the ship a little bit here, but you don't need to be a genius to see that in possession, we're probably going to start to see that two, three, five kind of shape that City are known for. And if that's the shape, that three is Zinchenko, Party, Tomiyasu, right? Those sort of interior fullbacks playing in that deepest midfield line, um, shielding the back, helping facilitate and progress the ball into the final third, helping keep the ball in the final third. And then that group of five, it's the carousel of, of attackers. It's Odegaard. And it's a carousel of left eights. And if Zinchenko's playing in that line of three, you're back to it being Shaka or Vieira or Smith Rowe um, or Sambi Lakanga. So we'll just have to see how that shakes out. There's definitely a lot of options. And Arteta did talk about versatility. So I don't think he's looking at a solution, so to speak. I don't think he's at the solution stage yet where it's like, like Thomas Party, we know where he plays. Um, Odegaard, we know where he plays, right? There's certain players, Tomiyasu. I don't think he's anywhere near that level with the left eight position yet. Clive, if you'd like, are there details to pick out of the second half against Orlando City? I mean, obviously the team popped a lot more than a lot more first team attackers. It looked a lot um, more like the arsenal that we've been seeing in preseason that we expect to see the level of opposition, not the highest, but we should point out the Neverton team we built, we beat 2 0 got absolutely thumped by Minnesota United 4-0. So Frank Lampard uh, trying to be the first coach to get sacked based on preseason results, and I wish him all the best for that. So, yeah, thoughts on the on the second half and if, if it clarifies any of the stuff we've been talking about? Yeah, so obviously Jesus comes on and everyone puts on their Sunday best and starts running around straight away, and he's, <laughs> he's, just, uh, he's just fantastic. I mean, I, I don't want to go too heavy, right, but... Anyone who watches him, there's loads of comps out there. Just, just watch him. Um, he's, he's, he's intensity and carrying is really, really good. His ability to chop around the corner is excellent. Then possibilities open up. He can carry himself. He can knock it off, get it back. He can shoot both feet. He just ran around once somebody in the box, and I thought they were, I thought they were stuck in the ground. Seriously, it was um, really, really good. So he he came in and looked immediately good. Um, Gabriel Magnanis. Oh, sorry, Gabriel at the back. (laughs) (laughs) He, um, yeah, he's got that left zone sorted out completely. And when he comes on, it just feels very, very comfortable. Uh, Ben White was was far more aggressive and in his positioning and on the right hand slot, that was good. Um, so yeah, Saka comes on, he's just jogging through preseason. 
when the good players come on, it just looks good. But the one player that really stood out to me was Odegaard, really. And um, he he is he's the man. And he's so much the man that I can see why I bought Vieira. Because there are days when he goes missing. And when he goes missing, the team goes missing. And I think he needed his, he needs competition because there's nobody close to be able to do what he does for us. I mean, he just runs the whole game. You know, and and I think Jesus already is moving off of his moves around the box. And he he likes to have a slashing striker to move and, and pass to. So new partnerships developing all the time. In our in our projections, which we all have and we try to predict the future, um, the one player we haven't really seen yet is Vieira. And um I wonder what he's gonna look like. I think that may sort a few things in our minds because on 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 tape he looks great, you know, and his numbers look yeah, great. Agreed. Um on the on the left eight side of things, we haven't mentioned him, but I've just got to, really, um in, in Tielemans. And I think what he could offer from a shooting, a crossing, a decision making player that receives it on the half turn, that's a bit more box to box and can add something defensively as well. Got the personality to run games, receive the ball really switch play, but, you know, both feet early pass. It doesn't waste time moving it onto the other foot. It's just there. I'm going to play it. And this form of like just oil in the engine, you know, there's a, there's yeah. a, cl- there's a clutch with Arsenal at the moment. And, you know, when, when you see the players that are clutched in the ground, you know, we're doing well. We're moving the ball, a straight ball goes down uh, over our centre backs and you, Again, no critique to him because if he's playing a team that suited him, he wouldn't be that high. But Pablo Marie's running back, you know, with diving boots on, and you just know that hold on, straight ball over top, we're in trouble. That, that can't happen, you know. It can't happen, and it doesn't happen when Gabriel's there. And, and so we can't play how we want to play unless we have the right specifics, right? And that's where we're heading towards. So, um, mm. so yeah, the good players come on, Elliot, and everything looks sunny. That's basically the summarise, really. The good players come in and the coaches look great. You know, we just need more of the good players and we'll be absolutely fine. It's also just a reminder, like, I, I can't help it, right? I think we want to see the best in every player who pulls on the shirt. Every player who gets signed is going to be the greatest player ever because, you know, hope springs eternal. And, I think some people want to lean into that more than other people, but all in all, every one of us, when they pull on the shirt, we want them to be the best player in the world. But when you see a Pablo Marie and then you see a Saliba or a Gabrielle or a Ben White, there's just no replacing talent. Talent just jumps off the pitch. Um, I'm feeling really good about my, my claims that, um, Darwin Nunez might not be the finished article just yet as he went on to score four goals and a half in preseason. So get them all out of your boots right now, Darwin. Get them all out of your boots. Don't make me look bad when the season starts. Um, but yeah, I mean, talent just jumps off the pitch. And and one of the things that's interesting, Tim, is like we may we may see some new things from players we got very used to last season, depending on what injuries dictate and things like that. We know that the back three is something we've tried this preseason that is probably going to be in our back pocket as an option. But look, Tomiyasu can't seem to stay fit. Tierney can't seem to stay fit. Zinchenko may be coming into play in midfield, but he's also coming in to be a sensational alternative to a player who can't stay on the pitch. 
I don't think the Cedric future is an Arsenal future, and I think maybe Ben White is the reason. If Saliba is here to stay and is trusted, I think Ben White becomes an option to be the Tomiyasu backup. Um, not, not to say that he doesn't stay a starting center back, but what I mean is that in the hierarchy at right back, he may move ahead of Tomiyasu. So if Sinchenko is left eight stroke left back because we have one that doesn't play a lot, is Ben White now center back stroke right back if Tomiyasu isn't available? I really hope so. I really hope so. And what, what I was saying um, earlier about the conversation that I imagine in my head happened with Nketiah about where are my minutes coming from, I, I hope that the same conversation's been had with Saliba and that's very, very similar. That, look, maybe if you ask me to write down my absolute, you know, cup World Cup final tomorrow starting eleven, maybe you're not in it, but you're the first choice if the right centre-back goes down. And by the way, if the right-back goes down, I'm shifting Ben White across and you'll come in there as well. So, uh, you know, so you're covering basically two positions. And by the way, that's what the Invincibles did, right? The, invincible, the backup right back in the Invincibles was Colo Torre. So when Lauren was out, which thankfully didn't happen very often, but when Lauren was out, Torre shifted across and we actually put Pascal Sagan in there. And so Campbell shifted one across and Sagan went to left centre back. And, you know, we did that six or seven times during the Invincibles season. It was just a very, you know, a slight shuffle of the pack. I, you know, and, and I hope so just because um, I think, you know, We've made an investment in Saliba, um, certainly a financial investment, and he does need those minutes. And the, the 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 weird thing about Saliba is all of a sudden, like that transfers look weird for ages, but all of a sudden, if we bought him this summer for twenty seven million, that kind of feels like the going rate, doesn't it? Like let's yeah, say yeah. let's say he was a Marseille player and we were just like, ah, oh, this guy's getting in the French squad. 27 million that 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 feels about right now so we do need to find a way to get him minutes but also look I hate on Cedric a lot um and I'm sure he's a very nice guy in fact he does come across as a very nice guy good in the group blah 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 sorry I just I don't think he's a Premier League standard footballer um no hard feelings so we do need a better option at right back but it's not just that Cedric isn't that good it's that he's so different he's that kind of bomb on overlap wallop the ball into the stands because he doesn't want it. Um, sorry, I can't resist a dig. I just can't. <laughs> uh, and neither can he. And that's the fucking problem. Um, but you know what I mean? Like White <laughs> is much more analogous as a right back to Tommy Asu. And when I've seen it last season, I didn't feel like things changed that much. Like, obviously, you probably want Tommy Asu there. But if White's there and Saliba's next to him, I feel like that's no drama. Whereas when Cedric's there... I think, A, not very good, B, completely different style of player, and it just upsets too much in the rhythm of the team. So I really, really hope, and I hope on, you know, I, I think, look, Tommy Asu's not, probably not going to be able to start Selhurst Park, is he? Like, is, that, that's probably not going to happen, and we need to be thinking about that game that's now. Crazy. And so really we've got to be thinking about, okay, almost certainly if things stay as they are, fitness-wise, Ben White right back, first game of the season. They're going to be bringing Zaha. I do not want to see Zaha and Cedric again. I've seen that once before. I know what that looks like. It's not pretty. Um, And look, Zaha, he could murder Ben White as well. He can murder pretty much anyone. But 
he'll definitely murder Cedric and it will be very, very unpleasant. So like, I really hope we've got that. I'm, I'm sure we have like got that game in mind, but I'm with you, Elliot longer term. I want Ben White to be that backup right back. Cedric can play in the Europa League because I don't really want Ben White playing those Europa League group stage minutes because we need him. So Cedric can play in the Europa League and get his minutes there and and whatever. And, and I think it kind of matters a bit less. Just a note of caution on the Europa League, though. We do talk a lot about just playing the reserve. Like It is a slightly tougher competition at the group stage now because of the creation of the Conference League. So the Dundalks and the Moulds, they aren't really in it anymore. So the, the, the group stage will be slightly tougher than it has been. Look, we should still be able to get through it with, with the players that we have. Um, but yeah, well, with you 100%, I want Ben White, first choice back up, right back, and Saliba to come in um, and for Cedric not to play Premier League minutes, really. Uh, I'm okay with that. I mean, I think Cedric has a role in the team and like, it's an important role. Photobombing the celebrations. Away. Exactly. Appearing in every single picture and video that exists in Arsenal at any level. I mean, he's even like the star of the all or nothing trailer by getting into a fight with Lacazette. Like, so, I mean, it really is incredible. The guy is is just everywhere. He's, and that he's is a good looking boy. You know, you, you can't blame him for, for mugging for the cameras. To be fair, so is Pablo Marie. The man looks brilliant in the away shirt. And and by the way, I know Arsenal did sell 42 million away shirts the day they launched it. So that should sort out whatever we need for the signing. I, I do have to admit, I did put some cash in, in Papa Stan's pocket the morning that came out. <laughs> I have one arriving at my home prior to my arrival back at my home. Clive, th- thoughts on that at right back? And then we'll, we'll start to finish up here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that is a position that it's unfortunate we have to discuss it because... Tomiyasu, an absolute revelation, but it looks like we've got a fullback curse at the moment in terms of fitness. Yeah, it just seems to be soft tissue stuff, right? It's, it's, it was strange, wasn't he? Because he played every minute of every game, then got hurt, brought back too soon, and then he hasn't really recovered, really. And when we're yeah. watching him, we all feel a little bit edgy, don't we? We worry about him, you know? And he He's not looked right, so... All right, let's just hope they just take their time with him. And I was just laughing when Tim said, I know Zahar will murder Cedric. <laughs> I just made me smile. And, and what Ben White won't do, he won't allow Zahar to turn around. And that's the key thing. He'll be all over him. And uh, Yeah, I just think, um, let's talk a little bit more about the future of that position, really. And we have got two young players in Brook Norton Cuffey and Rural Walters. And one of the things that stood out to me in... In this preseason, as I watch all the training videos and pictures, Rule Waters stood next to El Neni, and he's about two inches taller than him, and he's seventeen years of age, and he's developing physically massively, you know. And he's doing that at seventeen, and doing what he's doing—that's big stuff, right? So, yeah, watch this space on the on him. You know, he could be a potential Europa League, and I do think Europa League is very important this season because we have. I didn't think it was last week. I thought we were short as a squad in quality. Yeah, and to make point. that jump, yeah, we needed less games. We needed training time. We need to implement what we have. Now we know how we're going to play. We have a we have a, a squad developing young players that n- now need this time. New set of young players. We've got Saliba in now. We need this. We need these games. And I, if you listen to the players talk in their interviews in the US, and they've been asked about their targets, and they all mentioned top four in Europa League. 
And so the target's been set. We want to win the trophy and we want to get in the top four. And so I think the Europa League is massively important this year. And you know, our European record is poor. It's very poor as a club of our size and stature. And it'd be great to fix that. I would love that. Top four and Europa League, that would be a brilliant season. Brilliant season. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, no argument here. So, look, I mean, the, the, the preseason as crazy as it sounds, going to be winding down not too long. Like that, that first game against Palace is coming. Um, and, and some of these things have to be sorted out. And like the thing that I think Ben White gives us with Saliba back now is the ability to not have to worry. Like we've got to rush Tomiyasu back because we're playing a guy at right back that doesn't fit how we want to play or the qualities we want. Sometimes I think when you don't trust a backup, you lose yourself. We saw seasons wrecked the last two seasons by losing key starters and not really trusting the backups. And so what did we do? We moved Shaq, <clears throat> Shaq at a left back, right? Or we moved players to the opposite side. You know, we had, look who we had going up against uh, Sun, uh, against Spurs in that awful derby. Like having the ability to say, no, Ben White's going to be right back. And having the ability to put players you really trust and rely on in, in those positions, I think it means that you don't have to make those kind of compromises. And that's great to see. Tim, one thing that's starting just before the season starts is all or nothing. It's coming out. I mean, if some people just want to see it as rampant commercialization and tawdry and, you know, they're, they're not interested in it, I cannot tell you you're wrong. Personally, I think it looks fun. I mean, the more I can see about what happens at Arsenal that isn't on the pitch, that, you know, the closer I'll feel to the club and I get that it's edited and I get that it's it's narrative driven. And sometimes the way audio and video is chopped up in these shows, you're not even really seeing anything authentic, but I don't know, even just based on the trailer, I'm kind of excited for it. I'm just curious if there's anything in the trailer other than Arteta keeping his child on, on their toes, uh, saving a shot from near the grill. Um, I know Andrew Arsblog picked up on the type of grill that Arteta was using. That was important to him. The fight between Lacazette and Cedric, anything from the trailer that you picked up on as being important or anything that you you think about this? Are you excited for it? Yeah, uh, my first thought is why were people splitting up Cedric and Lacazette? Um, <laughs> Fight to the let, death. <laughs> let, let them duke it out, um, by all means. Um, they, they should have been running around with like 10 pound notes, kind of taking bets on who was going to win that one. Um, no, so I, I've, I've always felt the same about this. Like, like obviously you're going to have to take it with a pinch of salt, et cetera, et cetera, a hyper reel edited, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I've always been of the opinion. It just looks like good fun. And even if it is sanitized or edited or whatever, it's still a window. Okay. It might be, it might be obscured a little bit or whatever, but it's a window that wasn't there before. So even seeing stuff like Arteta in the dressing room and things like that, like, that's 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 surely that's going to be fascinating, particularly if you're an Arsenal fan. I, wa I, I watched the Spurs one. I didn't watch the Man City one. I'm sorry, I just don't have any interest in Manchester City. That's not an interesting. Oh, we beat another team five nil. Brilliant. Don't give a shit. Um, you know, not interested whatsoever. But I watched the Spurs one because. Um, I mean, maybe a little bit of Schadenfreude, but also, you know, Spurs under Mourinho, like that felt a bit more combustible, a bit more fun. It's not an all or nothing series, but the the Sunderland documentary that was on Netflix, I thought that, that was, was brilliant. great, really, yeah. really great. Yeah. It, it's a bit more fun when things are a bit... And, and last season was a really, really interesting season for Arsenal, really interesting season. I think last season much more interesting than the two years that we finished eighth. 
like I don't think those documentaries would have been that interesting. It would have just been like, yeah, I don't want about 70% of these players and I'm just waiting for them to get out the door. Whereas last season, it felt like the, the real kicker, the real kickstart for the project. And obviously you've got the Abamyang stuff. Even the insight into that is going to be interesting. And the trailer obviously hints at that. And we at least see, I think, Arteta telling the team about I it. love the so, way they've cut that. Where yeah. He says he, we've decided he's no longer our wow. captain, and the next thing is Lacazette going, "Wow, yeah, Lacazette," <laughs> which obviously is not. That's not a real reaction. No, no, that was Lacazette looking at Uber Eats. I think. Um, <laughs> Come on, uh, keep it together. And, uh, yeah, but but I, I'm I'm of the opinion, Elliot, that it's going to be great fun. I'm not I'm not like going to consider it. Wow, this is going to be the 100, percent you know, clear window into everything that happens but it's going to be fun and look Arsenal are doing it for a reason right and it's about brand building and all of that and actually I think last season's probably quite good for that I think um, had it been either of the two seasons before it might have been damaging maybe for quote-unquote the brand but you know the sense that Arsenal have started this journey that's why they're doing it and uh, and and I I suspect it will be quite successful in that respect as well, and and I hope that it helps to like rebuild our image a little bit as well. I mean, I'm gonna watch something on TV other than football. It might as well be more Arsenal stuff. That's all I'm saying. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun. We'll do some some stuff around it. I don't know exactly what yet, but we'll find a way to make that fun without spoiling it and stuff like that. I think we should leave it there, guys. I, I want to leave meat on the Zinchenko bone because when he is announced, we'll have to do another episode about it. And I, I think Clive and I covered it extensively in the scouting video. Uh, um, I would just say that I'm very, very, very excited for the player to arrive. I think there is an interesting conversation to be had about the totality of the player, strengths and weaknesses, but I'm very, very excited for the player to arrive. And it it is obviously done. We're just waiting for the announcement, which will probably happen the minute I hit publish on this episode. Tim's on Twitter at Stubro. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Yep, my name is Elliot Smith. You can me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Um, over on the Patreon side, there was an instant reaction to the Orlando City game that goes into more depth on that if you want that. Um, lots of good times being had there, and I'm so happy for everyone who's getting to do that. So once again, we do love you. Thank you for being here, um, putting up with our uh, unique summer schedule, but it's all going to be getting back to normal pretty soon. So the nerves are building, the excitement is building, and we will see uh, how the rest of the window goes. We love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal Time Transfer window. Number.